Welcome back to another Yak Podcast as we continue the series Behind the Mask, and this type talk is entitled Love More Than Need. Hope you enjoy. So I had a really cute, had a cute moment that happened this afternoon. Um, it's just one of those that happens, that is beginning to happen as, as you age as a dad. Um, so I went to put my hat on because um, I was like, I just need a hat tonight. I did not like the way the back of my hair was going. You guys you understand that. So, no, I'm not. <laughs> I will wear a hat all the time though when that happens, so you guys will know real quickly. So I put my, I put my hat on, and uh, I go into the kitchen, and Steven immediately comes in with a hat, too, and goes, hat, hat. He wants to put a hat on, too, because Daddy puts on a hat. And I have this, it, it's an awe moment. You can go, aw. Um, and it's one of those realizations that he is going to be reflecting me for the rest of my life. Or trying to reflect me. No, no, no. Do not applaud <laughs> Because my point is, there's going to be a good amount of time where I'm trying to teach him not to reflect me. Because if we're, I'm honest with myself, just like you'll be honest with yourself as parents, there are lots of times where you're like, ooh, please don't pick up that habit. And if I'm honest... I know a guy who I do want him to reflect, and we all know who that is. And honestly, the best parts about me, the best parts about me are already a reflection of him, which is the cool part. Um, the best parts about me are a reflection of Christ. So my prayer for my son in that moment is that he begins to reflect Christ always more than he reflects me. And it's the same prayer I have for you. Is that you reflect Christ more than you ever reflect your youth pastor. Because if you're reflecting the good parts of me, you're already reflecting Jesus to begin with. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Is how do we, how do, now that we're living without these masks, we're dealing with the question of who am I in the grand scheme of things. Um, how do you do that? How do you do that well? Um, the... The talk, the title for tonight's talk is called Love More Than Need. Love More Than Need. Um, do you need a, you actually? Yeah. I'll leave right after your talk. Understood. Love More Than Need. Let me pray for us and we'll dive into it. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the time we get to come before you. Um, Lord, I ask that you're reflected here, um, that the things that I have to say are false, or that our man-centered Lord would leave the minds of these students and they would just catch you. Uh, and Lord, I pray that prayer for all of them as they interact with their uh, friends over the course of the week, that they would just be a reflection of you and a light for you to those they interact with. Uh, Lord, that they would show your love to the world, which is really the only true and lasting love in your son's name. Love more than you need. Have you ever received a compliment from someone you respect? Have you ever received a compliment from someone you loved, whom you knew loved you back? It's a great feeling. Your cup is full after a good pat on the back or a word of affection. Sometimes it can carry you for days. Being told I love you from the right person will fill you up for weeks. 
especially if it's for the first time or the first couple times. Ever have someone take your full cup and empty it? Ever have someone call you a name that struck such an awful chord, mostly because you knew it wasn't true, and you hate the fact that someone believes it is? Or even worse, when someone calls you a name or points out a fault, and you know it is true. Like someone filling up a cup with I love you, it can leave that cup, and depending on how often you hear it, or from who you hear it, can break off a portion of that cup so it can never be full again. You know, we have this analogy where, where cups we're being poured into or being poured out of. Our emotions are like that. Why? Because the way people perceive us many times drive how we view ourselves. It drives the masks that we wear. It drives how we interact with others. But is that how? Is that what should define you? How you feel? I mean, talk about an identity being fragile. If we're identified by how we feel, basing it on what words you think you need to hear to be able to function, and how many times we can't trust what we think we need. Not only that, we have this feeling, I really need this. I need this. I need this. You feel like you need this. You're going to trust that for your identity? Remember how we talked about the mix-up between needs and wants last week? How our consumer culture has just butchered the way we approach what we need and what we want. How you two are in this culture that gets them so confused. So naturally, you and I will many times fall into this trap. Defining ourselves by the latest fads or consumer products. So why do we not define ourselves by our feelings? Why shouldn't we? By the world around us. Why should we not do that? Because we should define ourselves in relation to the one who created us. We're defined in relation to the one who created us. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer before we start off anything else. I touched it with the junior high group last week. And see how that leads us into seeing what we really need. If anything can show us our deepest needs, it should be how we approach the Creator, right? And Christ gives us an example of how we should approach the Creator. And if we base our identity off our relation to the Creator, this should tell us much. I'm not going to quote the whole Lord's Prayer, just points of sections that really lead to the whole thing. The first part, Father, hallowed be thy name. It's not a phrase to pump up the Father. We don't say that so God in heaven goes, you're right. Hallowed be my name. God does not need your praise. His cup is always full with water that feeds all but never diminishes. This phrase is to remind you who he is. He is your father. He loves you. Hallowed is to remind you of how holy he really is. Your kingdom come reminds you that it is not your kingdom, that it never was, yet pleads on his kingdom to be made known on all the earth, for there to be justice, for there to be peace, which can only be brought about by whom? Christ. Give us each day our daily bread. God made us physical. You can smack the person next to you. Don't do that. Don't do that. And we have physical needs because he made us physical. And he invites you to ask for those needs to be met. He invites you to do that. Forgive us our sins. 
for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Not only are you physical, you're spiritual. Remember we talked about what a human is? You are a material and spiritual um, union. You are both. So not only do you have physical needs, you have spiritual needs too. While the first part of the prayer asks for physical needs, now it speaks for your spiritual needs. Ed Welch reminds us, according to this prayer, your greatest problem is this, your sin. That problem has priority over everything else because it has eternal significance. Other problems, hurts in relationships, or not meeting your goals in school or work, will stop at some point. But if you are not forgiven, your problems never end. So you pray for daily forgiveness. And your Father is delighted to give you that. As you are shown that grace, you are then to show it to others, to fill their cup. Lead us not into temptation. Give us the strength to fight sin. Every hour you are bombarded with other things vying for your attention and affection. We talked about that several weeks ago. You are tempted to put on masks to best serve the world and not to reflect the king. Why cover the Lord's Prayer as we talk about who we are? Because we live out life with this major assumption that you or your world defines you. That you or your world defines you. Instead, I would challenge you to live under this assumption this week and the remainder of your life. And this is your first fill in the blank. Assume that scripture is showing us how to be real human beings. Assume that scripture is showing us how to be real human beings. We rarely live under that assumption. Asking questions like, who am I? Diving into what I should do. We turn to everything from self-help books, to radio shows, to friends who are more ignorant than you to define all these things. And we should be looking at scripture. By studying God's word, not only you not only begin to know him better, you begin to know yourself better. <clears throat> That's one reason I'm always harping on it. Be in the word, be in the word, be in the word, be in the word. You will know God better, and you will know yourself better. If we are to reflect Christ to the world, how do we go about doing it? I love how Ed Welch puts this in his book, how he goes about answering this question. It's the title of the talk, Love More Than You Need. That's how you go about reflecting Christ to the world more than hiding behind a mask. Love more than you need. I quote him a lot. His book, um, blanking on the title of it, awesome. Um, I highly suggest everyone get it. I'll try to get a copy of it um, for the uh, library. But it just talks about answering these questions. Who am I? Who is God? Who is Jesus? Who am I? How does that all work together? It's a great book. But I quote him a lot tonight. It's mostly from my book. Now think about it this way. Love more than you need. We like our relationships to be symmetrical. And what do I mean by that? I, if I like you, my assumption is that you will like me back. Symmetry. See how that balances it out? And if we're honest with ourselves, it goes a little bit further. If I like you, I want you to like me back. A little more than I like you. See how that works? If I like you, I want you to like me back. But not just like me back equally. I want you to like me back a little bit more than you like me. We prefer to be liked, loved, admired more than we want to like, love, and admire. And this is your next fill in the blank. That imbalance 
gives power in a relationship. And by power, I mean the less invested person has less chance of being hurt. When you guys start to get into dating relationships, this is just always a tendency that crops up. You want them to make the first move because you want them to like you more than you like them so you can get less hurt if something happens. It's the same way in early friendships too. Before you can really trust that person, you always want them to like you a little bit more so if something happens, you don't get as hurt. So goes the arithmetic of human relationships. That is, until Jesus shows how things are supposed to be. It's amazing how he continues to do that. Let me show you how to do this. Jesus plays out how relationships are supposed to work. Think about it. If anyone's cup would have been empty because of the lack of human praise, it would have been Jesus. Yet betrayals, insults, didn't empty his cup. How? This is what Ed says. His secret was simple. His ne- ne- your next fill in the blank. He loved the praise of God more than the praise of people. He loved the praise of God more than the praise of people. We talked about this in depth three weeks ago. His desire was to love the Father and to do the Father's will more than it was to receive the affection of others. That was the key for him. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us as his creation? Ed Welch puts it so well. Jesus loved people more than he wanted to be loved by people. That's your next fill in the blank. Jesus loved people more than he wanted to be loved by people. Jesus needed to love people more than he needed love from them. For you, this means that true freedom in your relationships comes when the scales are always a little unbalanced. You want the weight to be more on the love side than to the be love side. Do you see the difference here? I said at the beginning, by the beginning of talking to you five minutes ago, that we naturally want the other person to love us more because we're convinced we need that to survive when it comes to relationships. We need the scales to always be tilted towards them so that they can more fulfill us. And if for some reason they can't fulfill us, we're not as hurt. And Jesus says, forget the scales. Invert the scales. Love more than you need. Your job every day as you go out and are my ambassador is to love the other individual, even if they hurt you or have the potential to hurt you, more than you need that individual for your mask and your ego's survival. How do you go about doing this? One, it's our vision statement, being captivated by the gospel. If you're not captivated by Jesus, you're not going to be able to pull this off. Because you're always going to be relying on the praise of men to get through every single day. And then suddenly Jesus transforms us. That scale is tipped. Suddenly we can love more than we need. It's awesome. And then what happens there? We're able to give away the gospel, or as Grant put it a couple months ago, which I still love it, to gift away the gospel. We're able to do that, and it becomes easy. It has to happen in that order. So please don't not give the gospel tonight. First, fall in love with Jesus. Second, tip the scales. Love more than you need. And giving away the gospel is just a natural outcome of your fountain. It is life without a mask. It is life as a reflection of the Most High God. No longer does the world revolve around you, and suddenly you're satisfied by only things that can truly satisfy you. Christ. 
And Welch says this, Go to school and at some point you will be painfully self-conscious. It might be because of your complexion being bad, or you failed publicly or something, or you overheard a criticism about yourself, even though it is no different from what you have said about other people. Still, it hurt big time. Now imagine having your universe put right side up. You're no longer at the center. You remember that you were created to live for God, not yourself. He has pursued you to the ends of the earth to make you his own. So you set out on your mission of loving other people. That's what happens when the mask is removed and the scales are inverted. Can you imagine it with me? No more masks based on your own insecurities. Instead, you are focused on giving away the Gospels. You, you are looking to bless, encourage, ask forgiveness, and reconcile with others. You might sit with the outcast or stand up to the bully. You are a force of nature, an unstoppable love offensive. Nothing and nobody can get in your way. The one who loves more is the one with the power at the end of the day. Remember the second fill in the blank. The imbalance gives power in a relationship. And by power, I mean less and best person has less chance of being hurt. You have no power there. You are shackled to their view of you. The only way that gives you power is if you can go and love people more than they love you. That's the only way. The person who loves the most wins. Does that mean you won't be hurt? No. Jesus played this perfectly. He did it perfectly. And he was hurt, betrayed, insulted, left to die. It does not mean you will not be hurt. But your life no longer revolves around wearing a mask to please everyone else. Instead, your cup will be full because the one with the water is filling it. Instead of relying on everyone else to fill your cup, the one with the water, who owns the water, is filling your cup. So what are some practical ways I can do this when I'm hurt, when you're hurt? Because we can all do this easy when we're happy. You can all fill cups when life is dandy. Well, how do you do it when you're hurt? And this is what Ed Welch says. When I've been hurt in a relationship, I won't just ignore the problem. Don't ignore the problem. If you love somebody, deal with the problem. I will at least pray that God would give me a spirit to both understand and do as well. We forget that one all the time. The people I loathe, and yes, even I, there are people that when I see them, I go, Lord Jesus, help me love them. Pray for them. Someone hurts you, get in the habit of praying for them. Lord, give me a spirit to where I can deal with this well. Ask a pastor, a parent, an older wise person. Um, notice I said older wise, not older stupid person. Um, to pray for you and even give you advice. Show kindness to the other person, even if you know you're not going to get anything in return. Don't complain about the other person to other people. We do this all the time. Can you believe what they did to me? I cannot believe it. And I'm going to let the world know it. Instagram. Pops. Yeah. Subtweet. Subtweet. 
Social media. <laughs> you have a Reddit list. Do you know this? <laughs> do you have a Do you have a Reddit subreddit with your name on it? Oh, we'll find one. Yeah. I could remember that what was done to me is no different from what I do to others, even if what I do is only in my own imagination. You can do that. Remember that what was done to you is no different from what you do to others, even if it is only in your own imagination. And lastly, you can pray for the person who has hurt you. That will change your heart to those who damage your health. Why do this? It comes back to the beginning. Captivated. Because the Bible says you are loved by God. He loves you more than you will ever love Him. And because of that love, I now can love people more than they love me. You are God's ambassador. You speak on His behalf. Begin living with the other person in mind. Fill their cup. Thanks for listening to this Yak podcast. If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. Tune in next week.